This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. In today's episode, I want to ask you a question. Has anxiety got you seeking reassurance? I found an article on excessive reassurance seeking, and I thought I would pull out a couple of pieces from it. I will have a link to it in the show notes if you would like to read the whole thing. It is entitled Excessive Reassurance Seeking by David W.S. Osborne and Christopher J. Williams. Christopher J. Williams is a professor of psychiatry at the University of Glasgow. The first question that they ask in this article is, what is excessive reassurance seeking? And I quote, excessive reassurance seeking is common and can worsen symptoms in a range of anxiety and mood disorders. The aim is often to prevent catastrophe and reduce harm, tension, and distress. It includes excessively seeking medical care, internet searching, checking bodily symptoms, or using hidden cognitive reassurance, such as covert counting in obsessive-compulsive disorder. It goes on to say, excessive reassurance seeking is addictive. It quickly diminishes anxiety, leading to immediate relief. However, the relief does not last, and reassurance seeking returns. This backfires because it strengthens the belief that Had reassurance not been sought, anxiety may have increased and the feared consequence occurred. Thus, the behavior is reinforced. Reassurance seeking is self-perpetuating and no empirical evidence against the occurrence of what was feared is observed. End of quote. This is extremely important to understand the ability of reassurance seeking to become addictive. It becomes addictive because it sets us up just as any other addictive type of behavior or substance would. We get relief immediately when we do it, and then there are long-term consequences that are ignored. So we don't pay attention to what's going to happen down the road and how this is really making us worse, but we just go after 
the immediate hit, the relief, or the feel good, right? Just as that's what happens with any addictive substance. So we want to pay attention to this. What are you doing that could be causing you to be in this loop. Now we all seek reassurance. That's a normal thing. We are talking here about excessive reassurance seeking. And I know that you all know what I'm talking about with that. And so they've set it up as to what it is. And now I'd like to hear what they have to say about what we can do about it. Because we do have to be exposed to it and respond to it. And so when we are exposed to it, which will just come up naturally in life, they suggest that you label it, you leave it, and you stand up to it. So they suggest to label it. Let's look at that. That would be to actually take a look at the difference between regular asking for reassurance on something and pathological reassurance. And so you want to start to look at when is it backfiring on you? When are you feeling like this put me in a loop, in a cycle? And anybody who's been hanging around the podcast long enough understands the cycles of anxiety and stress. And so we can do this also with the reassurance. Notice it and label it when it comes up. Label it exactly what it is. I am seeking reassurance. And then they suggest to leave it. They're saying that once it's labeled, for you to not collude with it, just let it be. Don't go with it. Don't agree with it. Don't add more to it. We do that when we are extremely anxious. This is something that can very easily happen. So it's super important to be clear on this, that you want to, after labeling it, leave it. Don't get caught up with it. Just pay attention to being here right now and what is happening right in front of you. Because often the reassurance seeking that we're looking for, right, is something that's not happening right now. It's our anxious mind taking us out into the future. And the third thing that they suggested was to stand up to it. They're saying excessive reassurance seeking is like a bully and it is trying to force its way into your life. So you can stand up to a bully, right? You can call its bluff. You don't have to respond every time this comes up. This in itself will start to break that cycle, right? And speaking of the cycle, let's take a look at what they call the excessive reassurance seeking cycle. So there's an anxiety. And then the anxiety goes to excessive reassurance and other unhelpful behavior. So you feel anxious, you start asking uh, Google a whole bunch of questions, you're going down the Dr. Google wormhole. And then you find out some answers and you get a reduction in your anxiety. Now this reinforces this whole behavior. And so this is why we want to eliminate this piece, right? So you got the reduction in your anxiety, you got some answers, and you can put it all aside and go on with your life. But the next point on this cycle is 
the adverse impact on yourself and others. And that adverse impact is the fact that you have not gone through the challenge or the difficulty. And so you believe that what you did in seeking reassurance was the right thing to do because you feel that the anxiety has been reduced. And so that was the right step to take. It's very cyclical. It's not unlike anything else in anxiety, but it is something that comes up often that people get stuck in this behavior. And I want you to always be kind to yourself as you are practicing your way out of this reassurance-seeking behavior. Have you tried One Skin for your skincare routine yet? I love the simplicity of these products and the medical-grade ingredients in them, not to mention how easily they fit into my skincare routine. The OS1 Face Moisturizer and OS1 Eye Cream make skin look visibly smoother and clearer and immediately feel softer and more hydrated. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and several studies back it up. So if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, then I'm so excited to share with you One Skin, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ACP at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ACP. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Now I want to get back to talking about some examples and some things that you can do around this cycle of reassurance seeking, excessive reassurance seeking. So let's look at some examples. There's self-reassurance, right? You could be doing this all completely with yourself, not checking in with anyone else. You could be checking things repeatedly, such as the door, right? Is it locked? The stove. Now, it's important to do that once, maybe, but to always doubt and go back over and over, we want to begin to see and ask ourselves if this isn't something more. Am I seeking something beyond just knowing that the door is locked? Why is this reassurance needed? We could be checking physical symptoms such as constantly taking your blood pressure. This is a really big issue very often with people. Anytime you have some sort of health anxiety, this kind of reassurance seeking around your health can become out of control. And it can be with the blood pressure. It could be with temperature. It could be with oxygen, especially now going through a pandemic. Everybody's got different things that they are focusing on. And so the excessive reassurance seeking cycle could be edging its way into your life. Also, you could be reviewing an event in your mind over and over again, such as a conversation that you had to make sure that your friend was not upset or 
that you responded in an appropriate way. You know, that laying in bed and running that over and over in your head. These are all self-reassurance activities we can be doing. So just note that you may be seeking reassurance in those ways. The second way is to be reassurance seeking from others. You could be asking if things are okay with a friend or a loved one, asking them, are you sure you're okay with what I asked you to do? Or are you mad at me? Is everything okay? Or can you promise me that everything is going to be okay? Again, that's anxiety, putting it out into the future, seeking reassurance for something that isn't even here yet. So this is super common, not only in adults, but this is common in children. And you may note this, parents can pay attention to see if uh, your child is constantly turning to you for reassurance, asking you things such as, can you double check my homework? And then they come back and say, can you check my homework again? I'm not sure you saw everything, right? That that not trusting or believing that you saw everything. They just want that reassurance that it's okay, that they are okay. Or they could say things like, please promise that you won't forget to pick me up from school. And you can almost feel the distress in their request. They are seeking that reassurance to know that they are okay. And the third kind of reassurance is research reassurance. And everybody here is familiar with that. This is our frequently looking for evidence somewhere online. And it's an effort to provide uh, ourselves with things that we are okay. Now, we all look things up on the internet. We all have curiosities or issues that we want to check out into the world and see if we are doing things correctly or could be doing things differently, that is one thing, but it is another thing to become obsessed with it or for it to become excessive in the amount of time or effort that we're putting in to doing it. So this is researching uh, symptoms such as we talk about with Dr. Google or WebMD or constantly checking your grades online. If you are in school and college, it could be checking finances, rechecking accounts over and over. There's a lot of different places where this internet research reassurance can be happening. And it's amazing that as wonderful as the internet is, we can have some difficulty with it too. We can get obsessed with it, or we can have excessive behaviors around it. So can look at it as like, well, that's not so bad, like reassuring yourself if it makes yourself feel better. Why wouldn't you do it? But like I talked about earlier with the uh, paper that I read about, there are consequences down the line that we are not paying attention to. Reassurance decreases our anxiety or your feeling of distress in the short term. But in the long term, it creates that cycle that I was talking about. And this is a vicious cycle that can worsen your anxiety and it can increase your need for more reassurance, just like any other addictive behavior. We use it and then eventually we need more of it. 
So it decreases your confidence in your own ability to answer your own questions. And it reinforces that you are unable to tolerate the discomfort of uncertainty. So this is true anxiety behavior, not tolerating the discomfort of something. And in this case, when we're seeking reassurance, it is the uncertainty that we are unable to sit with, that we do not have any ability to tolerate the discomfort of that. So check and see if that's happening. And then I got some ideas so how you can decrease your reassurance seeking. You want to notice what's happening. Pay attention. When you have identified, okay, this is happening, I want you to tease out the difference between seeking information, like gathering information or trying to understand something, and the act of continuously trying to gather information that has already been given in an attempt to decrease your anxiety. They're two different things. Then I want you to take a gradual approach and decrease how many questions you are asking each day or how many times you are asking the same question. Pay attention to that. Then I want you to delay or postpone the reassurance for a certain amount of time. Try delaying it for five minutes. Try it. You can do five minutes. That is helping you to learn to tolerate the discomfort of the uncertainty. Then you can expand that time over time. I want you to also think about keeping a reassurance piece in your journal. I don't want this to become something that is overused, but it can help in the beginning when you are trying to break away from this. And you can write down your most frequently asked and answered questions. And you can go back to the log to see, you can see it there. You already wrote it down and you already have the answer, right? This can help you to break the habit of asking Google or asking another person, right? Or having it spin around in your head. Decreasing reassurance seeking is really, really hard. And again, I want you to be kind to yourself as you are moving through this. It is also one of the most important steps in learning how to manage and take control of your anxiety and to not have it lead your life. I know you can do this and I do know how difficult it is, but people make these changes every day. I would love to hear from you if you are making some of these changes and learning how to tolerate the discomfort of uncertainty. And now for today's quote. Our sorrows and wounds are healed only when we touch them with compassion. And that's from the Buddha. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at the anxietycoachespodcast.com.